0: Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to the Century Landmark episode, episode 100 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks, and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on June 13th, 2021. Now, my friends, Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself, And Ball 9. Ball 9 brings you some of the best baseball content out there. Any and all baseball stories, articles, roundtable discussions, featured baseball podcasts like Yapping Yankees, and much more. Visit the website, that's ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias, at Ball 9. And know what you don't know. Also, guys, if you would be so kind, help to spread the word about yapping Yankees. But also, at the same time, stay updated on everything with both me and the Yankees. And you can do all of that by following yours truly, Mike Scudero, on all social medias. Go right ahead and follow me on Facebook on my fan page. That's Mike Scudero and Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. And, 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 remember to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees, show some love on all four of the platforms it's available on, and those are YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. My friends, we have made it to episode one freaking hundred. (laughs) It's really cliche to constantly say that I can't believe it, but... I truly cannot believe it. I seriously can't. Just about two years ago, exactly right around now, in beginning or mid June of 2019, I started up this show. Not knowing what to expect of it completely, other than the fact that I would have a blast doing it. And God knows that I have. But just as another little history recap for those who don't really know my story, I've spoken about this a few times, but. I graduated from college back in May of 19, two years ago, and throughout my last semester, I really was just wondering what I could do beyond college other than just getting my regular radio job that I have now outside of doing this podcast, and I would sit there often telling myself, you know what, I should probably start a Yankees podcast because I love doing radio work. I was the assistant manager at my school's radio station. I did two sports talk programs on that radio station and play-by-play and color commentary for the school's basketball teams. So I did a lot of radio work and a lot of broadcasting work overall. Let alone all of that combined with my academic work that led to me graduating with my bachelor's degree in mass communications broadcasting. So... Because I wanted to keep my broadcasting work going, and I wanted to keep my broadcasting skills sharp beyond college when I stopped my two radio shows on the radio station there after graduating, and because I really just wanted to start up a show talking about something that I am more passionate about than almost anything on the face of the earth, and obviously that's the New York Yankees, I wanted to start a Yankees podcast. So throughout my final semester in college, I just... Spent a lot of my time brainstorming about the show, the show's title, the show's format, when I was going to release it, the logo, (laughs) just everything. I would sit there and basically brainstorm and create the show in my mind, because that's what I did for both my radio shows on the school's radio station in the four years I was in school. So I just applied all of those skills and knowledge that I learned in school to creating this podcast. And that's why... I am fortunately able to do everything with this show on my own. It's all me. Everything that you hear is me. It's me doing the show. It's me recording the show. It's me editing and producing the show. It's me releasing the show and promoting it. It's all me. (laughs) So, not to give myself too much of a pat on the back, but that's just the truth. And I'm very fortunate to have learned all of that in my time in college. So, that's really the story. And then after I graduated in May of 2019... I said, you know what, I worked my ass off these last four years, so I'll take a few weeks breather, and then I'm going to start up this show. And that's exactly what I did. I took some weeks off because I believe everyone who works very hard in college deserves some time off after they graduate because it's well earned. So I gave myself a few weeks off, and then sometime around now in the first, second week of June in 2019, well, then came the birth of this show. And it's been going almost every week since then. I've maybe only taken, I don't know, three, maybe four weekends off in these last two years. <laughs> I fire out a new episode as often as I can. I try to do it every weekend. And at this point, the last time I didn't do it was back in beginning or mid-January. So we're going about five or six months now without a weekend off. So we're on a pretty good streak right now. But regardless, I have popped out a new episode almost every weekend for the last two years And it's just been an unbelievable experience. It really has been. So that's the story of the origins of this podcast, for those who don't know. It's just nice to reflect on, especially for those who don't know about it. Thought it all up in my last semester of college, put together all the little nuances and details and formatting, and then, after I graduated, just put it all together. And ever since then, the rest is history throughout these first 100 episodes. And throughout these first 100 episodes, another thing I've been extremely fortunate for is all of you, each and every one of you. And you know who you are, whether you started at the beginning, whether you started listening to me two years ago, my very first episode, whether you hopped on somewhere in between, or whether you hopped on the Yapping Yankees train very recently, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to. Regardless of which category you fall under, each and every one of you has been truly special. You've been a blessing and So supportive and loving of this show and the content that I put out regularly. And even on social media, regardless of just this show, anything that I put out, you've been just so unbelievably supportive and loving. And I try to thank you as much as possible every single week, but there's just no words in the English language to properly convey how thankful I am to every single one of you for all the love and support that you give me. Really, it's just, that's coming straight from my heart. You are all a blessing, whether you just listen every week or you leave a comment or a like on any of the platforms, maybe even just a review, (laughs) whatever you do. And especially if you're one of the fans who just loves to interact with the social media segments every week, regardless of what you do, even just a simple listen just means the world to me. The fact that you've dedicated some of your day to listen to me yap over here, (laughs) it just means a lot to me. And this journey wouldn't be nearly as special as it is without you. So I thank you. I thank you with all of my heart. And in these last two years together, my God, think of all the things we've gotten to talk about. In these last two years, we've spoken about a lifetime worth of stuff. It's crazy. Thinking back to around May or June when this started in 2019, we got to talk about the crazy 2019 season. With all the injuries, yet the team still managing to win 103 games with that next man up team. Just the emotional roller coaster that whole season was from start to finish. Obviously, the painful ending to that season in the ALCS got to talk about the thrilling postseason all throughout. And then after that, the Astros scandal coming out. Oh my God, the Astros scandal. <laughs> now, that was an entertaining time here on this show. I will never forget that time period. Then the 2019 offseason, of course, the Yankees signing Garrett Cole. That was unbelievable to be able to talk about on this show. Then after that, of course, all the things that went crazy in the world, the pandemic, just everything, everything was falling apart in the world. And I was still here just popping out an episode every week, talking about all of it week by week, all of the crazy negotiations between the MLBPA and... MLB themselves, the league, and the owners, and, of course, our favorite commissioner, Rob Manfred, (laughs) and we should be expecting to see more of that as time goes along with the upcoming CBA negotiations. That should be a lot of fun. Then, of course, we got to go through the entire 60-game bizarre shortened season together. Got to see the Yankees painfully eliminated at the end of it all in the playoffs. We went through, of course, the 2020 offseason, just anticipating what the 2021 season would be like what changes would be coming to it, what changes would be coming to the game just overall. That's been such a massive discussion over the course of these last two years, period, starting last year with the shortened season. And obviously when it comes to this year, we've gotten to go over every single step of this extremely underwhelming and underachieving year for the 2021 New York Yankees. And there's probably even still some things that I missed in the midst of going over all that really quick. But the point is, we have gotten to talk about just about anything and everything, chaotic, that's been happening these last two years on this show, and the first 100 episodes have been bizarre, it's been crazy, it's been ridiculously fun, sometimes miserable, especially in years like this one when the Yankees are horribly underperforming, but regardless, even when they're doing bad, I still look forward to putting out an episode because I love doing this, I love doing it. I still love talking about the Yankees. I just love talking about baseball in general. Baseball is my heart. And I love giving all of you, my amazing supporters, my amazing listeners, I love giving you the content every week. I just love doing it. So the Yankees can try to make me as miserable as they want. (laughs) I'm still going (laughs) to enjoy putting out episodes. But regardless, again, the point is the first hundred episodes of this show have been just a true thrill especially as this show just continues to grow in all kinds of ways. And you know what? Here's to a hundred more, and maybe even beyond, my friends. It's just been a remarkable journey, and I cannot wait to see what else, what further chaos lies in our path. (laughs) But now, we've still got ourselves a show to do. And sweet baby Jesus, do we have a lot to discuss, as always. (laughs) It is never a dull week here on Yapping Yankees. We've got the pitching substances controversy, we've got injury updates like Zach Britton returning, Luis Severino getting hurt again, and in case you didn't hear about it already, I'll be sure to tell you about that later too. We've got Luke Voigt getting ready to start his rehab assignment today already, and I told you last week that I thought that was very strange, considering he has a grade 2 oblique strain, and it's only been like three weeks, but I've got info on that for you later too. We've just got a bizarre week of Yapping Yankees to recap, so take my hand, or I guess take your ears, and let's dive in to episode (laughs) one-freaking-hundred. And since it is episode 100, my friends, I thought, since each and every one of you have been so important to this show, of course, as I was saying earlier especially for this upcoming segment that always comes after the introduction to the show. Obviously, I speak of the social media interaction segment. I thought I'd give you the floor this week and do another Q&A. So let's see what questions you guys had for me. We'll start on Twitter, as always. I'll read out and answer maybe like 10 questions or so. And then I'll head on over to Instagram and answer a couple on there. So as Heath Ledger's Joker says... And here we go. (laughs) Let's start off with Rebecca on Twitter, at peace now for life. And Rebecca asks, do you think the Yankees should hold on to their top prospects or use them as trade bait to get big pieces now? Well, listen, there's no doubt the Yankees need help. They need help. And before yesterday's news about Luis Severino came out, which we'll be talking all about later on in recap again, but before yesterday's news came out, because we were all anticipating his return in the coming weeks, we were all talking about the Yankees' need to get an outfielder, particularly a center fielder, but just an outfielder in general, given the current circumstances of the outfield. We've been talking about it forever. Clint Frazier, horribly underachieving. Brett Gardner just cannot play every day, even though he's looked a little bit better lately, but you still can't play the guy every day. You just can't. He's not in that point of his career anymore. But because of the circumstances of the outfield, he has to play almost every day. And you have Miguel Andujar out in left field now, who unbelievably actually looks very comfortable out there, which I don't think anybody saw coming, but that's a great thing. And you've even had Aaron Judge play some games in center, for instance, so they do play around with the outfield a lot. But the Yankees need... A certain outfielder who can hit very well and can field very well. And there are a couple of names that have been thrown around out there. Of course, Cattell Marte, who I would love on this team. I would also like the other Marte, Starling Marte. I would take either of them. But the question is, what would you be willing to give up if you're the Yankees? And that's what Rebecca is asking about prospects wise. I don't believe in hugging too many prospects. I think it's always good to hold on to some, obviously. You need somewhat of a farm system. But you know what? Trade deadline questions or just trade questions in general right now are tough because, especially in the case of trade deadline, because listen, even if this team coming into today is only two lousy games over 500 and they have to win like 60 out of the next 98 games or something to reach 90 to 92 wins or whatever the math is right now, but regardless, the trade deadline is still a ways away. It's still like a month and a half away. So a lot can happen in that time. And it all depends on where the Yankees are when it comes to talking about whether they should buy or sell at the deadline. But right now, I mean, it depends on the prospects, of course, if you want to talk about either the pitching prospects like Luis Gill or Luis Medina, or maybe even Davey Garcia's thrown in there, or obviously the big name that nobody wants touches Jason Dominguez. You've got Estevan Florial, but he's an outfielder, so that'd be tough to get rid of especially in the Yankees' current need for outfielders, but you get what I'm saying. The Yankees have plenty of prospects that they could afford to part ways with if it means getting an essential piece to the team. And what I was saying before is that before yesterday, everybody was talking about the outfield, the outfield, the outfield, and getting another big bat, getting a great defensive piece in the outfield too. And the two names that still continue to be thrown around with that whenever the outfield is mentioned are both of the Martes, Cattell Marte and Starling Marte. But now, with the Severino news, we're now questioning do the Yankees need a pitcher too? <laughs> the needs just continue to grow. And the pitching, of course, whether it be the rotation or the bullpen, has been a strong suit for this team this year, believe it or not. It really has been. It's been a major strong suit. And the offense, the unbelievably inconsistent, underachieving offense, which we've spoken ad nauseum about, has been the disappointing part, which. Nobody saw coming on this scale. And now you're probably thinking, and understandably so, well, if things continue on this path for the pitching, do they just run out of gas eventually? Do they just stop performing as great as they have? Do they even run out of options after news like Luis Severino's yesterday comes out? And does that even start to collapse? Because then you start to think if that starts to collapse, then what do the Yankees have left? What's keeping them afloat? What's keeping them even over 500, which they're even barely at right now coming into today? What keeps them afloat? And that's a valid question to ask. And that's even a question I've been asking myself. So that's a valid question. And so is your question, Rebecca, about which prospects you'd be willing to part ways with. And a lot of it depends on where the Yankees are come the deadline. And I don't like accounting for, like, a month and a half or two into the future, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I happen to think that the Yankees are just not going to do much at all, because I think they're more concerned about the luxury tax. (laughs) But regardless, I mean, if you're truly determined, if you're the GM, to make legitimate and necessary improvements to a team that's horribly underachieving like the Yankees, yeah, you got to part ways with some of those guys. You have to. Now, which ones in particular, that's tough to say, because that depends who you're going after yourself— And what the other organization you're looking to trade with asks for. So there are a lot of factors there that make that question kind of impossible to answer right now. And I know that a lot of people love to come up with their mock trades and everything. I'm never into that. That's just a waste of my time and energy, and I don't have the time or the patience for that. (laughs) I'll just be honest. But it all depends. There's a lot of factors here. But the Yankees need a lot of help. That's for sure. And to make any legitimate improvements to the team you're going to have to give away pieces of the team that sting, whether they be already up here on the roster or some high prospects in the farm. So I kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent there, but I hope that kind of answers your question. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, I guess the answer is they should be looking to move some of their prospects if they want to make some legitimate improvements or if they're just way out of it come the trade deadline, if they're just out of contention, which would be a travesty considering this team was supposed to be a World Series team, then maybe you start to look into stocking up the farm and maybe giving some other pieces away that you could afford to give away. I don't know. It all depends on where they are come the deadline. I guess that's my answer. All right, up next, at Laura underscore Eismont. And Laura asks, what do you think should be the Yankees' top priorities as we get closer to the trade deadline? Well, how about winning some freaking games, and not taking two steps forward and five steps back. (laughs) Like, you've seen the offense this past week actually make somewhat of a comeback since the Minnesota series started, thank God. But now you're seeing the pitching get a little shaky, because you know what? That's what happens with mediocre or bad teams thus far. When one aspect succeeds, the other fails, even if the other has been a major piece of success so far. And vice versa. It just seems like nothing can go right, ever. You got that going on. Of course, you got the continuation of injuries, which haven't been as bad this year as in prior years. I'll just knock on wood with that one. And the injuries have still been around, but just not on as big of a scale as last year, 2019. But regardless, their one goal right now, with the trade deadline a month and a half away, It should be to start winning some damn baseball games and getting some nice winning streaks going so you can get yourself way above 500 as best as possible, get back into this division which you're slowly fading into irrelevance with, and that should be the priority right now. Now, come the trade deadline, where they are by that point, then that's when you start talking about whether you buy or sell or what do you do, just what can you do. But right now, as of mid-June, I just don't like thinking too much about the trade deadline. When it comes to making trades possibly now, then, you know, then that's something you could talk about if you want to make a trade now. But when it comes to the trade deadline, we've still got some time to kill before that. So, not to give you a lazy answer, but that's the truth. There's still a lot of time to go until then. And until then, just get it the hell together and win some damn baseball games! Even if that means making a trade shortly and shaking things up and adding an essential bat or adding an essential outfielder, it's just they've got to win. They've got to start winning games. Next up, we've got at Savage Empire Pod saying, Congratulations on episode 100, Mike. Well, thank you, my friend. My question for you is when will we hear you on ESPN radio before the K show starts? <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe you'll hear me on the radio someday at some capacity. I don't know exactly how. I mean, you guys know because I've mentioned it briefly on the show before, not specifics, but I do have a radio job outside of doing this podcast five days a week right now as a board op and producer. But of course, I have plenty of experience doing on-air content too, whether it be at college or with this podcast, regardless. So hopefully you'll hear me someday, man, whether it be with this podcast blowing up even more than it already has. Or with me getting another job at another station, just at whatever capacity, I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. Up next, we have at Blockhead for Real. And they say Is there any viable explanation for a team that has always been predicated on left handed power, that literally built a stadium that is geared for left handed power, to trot out a lineup with eight right handed hitters and a clearly washed up lefty hitting ninth? That's a real question. Hmm. that is a real question I guess that's very direct but you know what it is a legit question and my answer to you is as I've said is you know what it wouldn't be as big of a problem if a large chunk of those right handed hitters weren't massively underachieving this year (laughs) because a lineup full of righties if they're performing up to par and to what they're expected to while it's also good to have a balance of lefties in the lineup especially as you say in a stadium like Yankee Stadium It wouldn't be as much of a travesty as it is now, but you have most of your lineup pathetically underperforming, and when said Yankee lineup does not perform up to its standards, then the construction of this team becomes exposed. It does, because nobody's performing. And if those tons of right-handed hitters performed, then it wouldn't be as big of a problem. But then, of course, without that balance of left-handed hitters in your lineup as well, then it becomes especially easy for other teams, especially teams loaded with right-handed pitchers, to figure you out. And it really does seem like the Yankees have been figured out. They're not hitting as many home runs this year, and they're just not hitting with runners in scoring position at all. Even guys like DJ LeMahieu, which that's all he did for the first two years that he was on this team last year and the year prior despite his humongous hit in yesterday's game against the Phillies, and credit to him for that, but he's still not hitting with runners in scoring position nearly as well as he did before, and the rest of the team isn't either, so lefty hitters or no lefty hitters, you've got a team mostly full of underachieving, and that's when a team gets exposed, and then you start to look at balance in a lineup, lack of lefties, this sort of a thing, so you know what, your question is a fair one. And I don't know how much adding a couple of lefties to this lineup would change things. I don't know for sure. None of us do. But it sure couldn't hurt to shake something up right now, because clearly what's being put out there isn't working. Ugh. <laughs> I'm already getting frustrated. We're only like 20, 25 minutes in. Up next is at Evan D Wetzel 4. And Evan asks, would you be open to being sellers at the deadline? And who would you move? Uh, well, I'm going to have to answer this the same way I did the ones before, but um, my answer is going to be the same. The deadline is still a bit of a ways off. It's still about a month or a month and a half away, and a lot can happen in that time. I don't know how much could happen as far as the Yankees turning this around legitimately because their inconsistency has just prevented that from happening up to this point already, but I, I really just hold off a trade deadline questions until we're maybe like a week or two away from it. And I know you guys like to look ahead. And you know what? If you want to look ahead, then more power to you. Go right ahead. Look ahead. But my answer to this question is really, where are the Yankees at at that point? That's the question before you even start looking at what the Yankees should do at the trade deadline. Where are they at at the trade deadline? That's how you dictate what to do at the trade deadline, right? And obviously, if they're completely out of it, then you might look at selling some pieces. On the main roster or otherwise. And it, of course, depends on who you're talking about and who you're going for. Or if you're still in it, maybe you're like 10 games over 500, you make a bit of a comeback in the next month and a half, then you start looking at those essential pieces that you could possibly get to improving your team. Get that outfielder, particularly center field. Get that Cattell Marte or Starling Marte out there for center field. Get that outfielder you need. And even after the Severino news, depending on how bad it is, because again, we don't know for sure about that, but maybe even start to look into if you could get a pitcher. I know forever now people have been saying, Mad Max, Max Scherzer. Well, Max, again, recently got hurt, and he's been having massive injury issues for a little while now. So if you want to look into pitchers, then we can talk about that another day for sure. But it all depends on where you are in the next month and a half. It just depends. And I'm not faithful in this team to massively turn it around because it's just, we just haven't really seen any signs in these last two or three weeks of any sort of a massive turnaround. Not like the one that we saw at the end of April into the middle part or the later part of May, but there's still that part of me that acknowledges there's still like a month and a half left until the deadline. And what the Yankees should do at that point, it depends on where they are by then. And a lot can still happen in a month and a half. So, we'll see. Next, we have at NYYFanForever96, and they ask, Since the Yankees are 63 games in, what do you think about this team thus far? (laughs) Well, I've given my thoughts about them every week. I think they are remarkably underachieving. I think the pitching has done well to try to keep them up as much as they could. But I think this is a team full of a lineup that is just totally underperforming, with the exception of a couple of guys. But it's full of underachieving. It's full of flawed philosophy and fundamentals that go all the way to the top. And I think that the way they've performed so far has been nothing short of shameful and embarrassing. Especially considering that this was a team coming into this season, you remember me even saying it, when I was saying there was no excuse for this team to not at least win the pennant. And now you're questioning whether they even have enough at this point to make the playoffs. That is shameful. Shameful. This was a World Series or bust team. This is an organization that has had a window open for them since 2017. And they seem to be on the decline, which is very discouraging, especially considering that you have this group of guys who should be performing up to par, especially in the lineup, but they're not. You have someone like Garrett Cole, who you signed to be the ace of the team that you've been looking for for years and to win that title with, finally. And meanwhile, he's just wasting his prime away as long as we continue to underachieve. And they need to find a way to turn this thing around, desperately, desperately. This team needs changes. What's happened so far is a disgrace. So in somewhat short, that's what I think of the team so far. And I think that's a good recap of everything that we've hit on about the team since the season started on this show. Because that's what it's been. A massively underachieving disgrace. That's what the 2021 season has been so far, 60 some odd games in. All right, I'm going to take maybe like two or three more questions. Oh, wow, I just got an update on my phone. Aaron Judge out of the lineup because of back spasms. Hmm. I will definitely not take this time to use the overkill joke of he's been carrying this lineup. That's probably why his back hurts, but everybody thinks they're a comedian. But anyway, I am... I'm looking at this lineup right now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Oh, batting third. Stanton, of course, not in because they just refused to play him in the outfield. I, <laughs> I laugh because w- what else is there to do anymore other than just lose your damn mind? But this is starting to shape up like a loss today to me. I mean, Herman is going to have to throw a gem. If he doesn't, then they're going to be just one game over 500 after today. One game. A World Series or bus team, one game over five hundred. after the game today, on June 13th. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, what else can you say? Alright, let's keep going with the Q&A. This is just, I can't look at that, it just bothers me. I'm not upset about Aaron Judge or anything like that, because listen, Aaron Judge has played almost every single game this year. He's actually been like the most consistent guy. So if this is just a quick treatment thing, which it looks like it is, then... He should be fine, and he'll be right back into it. So I'm not going after Aaron Judge or anything. I love Judge. You guys know that. But even more so with this season, you guys remember I predicted back in January that he's going to play 140-plus and hit 40-plus homers. That was my prediction months ago. I'm still sticking with it. And it's been a damn good one so far, even if he's had a quick little thing or two here throughout the first two and a half months. But he's been more consistent than anybody, guys. Anybody. Anybody. With something as small as back spasms, hopefully it just stays that way and he just needs a tiny bit of rest. At least he gets the day today and the day off tomorrow, but if that's all he needs, he can't be mad at that. That's whatever. It's a couple of days off, which hurts because of the state the team is in. (laughs) You wish someone like Stanton could go out there and play the outfield. I'm sure he would like to, but the Yankees are probably stopping him, but I'm not going to take that out on Judge. He's been the most consistent player in the lineup, so... Another terrible break for the Yankees. A terrible lineup out there right now for today's game, which you guys already know the outcome of because you're either listening to this later tonight or later in the week. But <laughs> this is just bad. It's bad. It's looking like they're going to be one game over 500 after today's over. All right, let's keep going with the Q and A. Next we have at Laker477, my friend Rob, and Rob says. Mike, God forbid the Yankees don't find a way to quote-unquote turn the corner and start winning on a consistent basis, instead of the flashes of winning that we've seen thus far, do you think Boone makes it to the end of the season without getting fired, or do they pull the trigger at some point? Well, I'm going to be talking a little bit about Boone later on, but especially with what happened in the Red Sox game last Sunday, if you guys remember, but... I think Boone makes it to the end of the season regardless. I just don't see the Yankees making a move like that throughout the season. If the Yankees don't even make the playoffs, but especially if they just don't even make the World Series, which is an utter failure in itself, I could see something happening. I could. But I think he makes it to the end of the season with his job regardless of what happens. What happens after the season, that's a different story, depending on how it ends. But the sad part about it, guys, is that We know Aaron Boone does not have major dictation over what happens with this team, and I'm not the biggest fan of his. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of Boone. I think he's a great guy. I have no problem with him personally, but as a manager, I'm not a fan of his. I'm just not. But with that being said, you could also feel that way and have the understanding like I do that he's just not a major player on what happens with this team. Not major. He might have some input, but... Definitely not all of it. Not nearly all of it. These problems, outside of the underachieving with the players themselves, who of course definitely deserve their share of blame. I mean, the blame falls on everybody from top to bottom. But it goes to the top, guys. With Cashman and with Hal being so hell-bent with the luxury tax and with Cashman just having a $210 million payroll and having this team doing the way that it is along with the team's fundamentals and philosophies. It's just flawed. It is flawed. And so far here, that is not opinion. It is fact. Look at the team that's on the field. Look at how they're playing. That's fact. It's not an opinion. There are still a good amount of games left to play, and it could change, possibly. Yes, it always could, even if it seems highly unlikely, because anything is possible. But so far... This team is flawed in all of those ways I just mentioned. And somebody's going to have to be held accountable for it at the end. And I think it will be Aaron Boone, ultimately, if the Yankees, let's say, don't even make the playoffs, then yeah, he's probably gone. But again, regardless of whether you're a fan of his or whether you acknowledge that like I just did, you could also be like me and also acknowledge that unfortunately, despite his firing, if it were to happen which I think under any circumstances would only take place after the season, not much would change. Not much would change with the Yankees. As long as Hal at the helm is just dictating what the payroll can be and holds back because of the luxury tax, and you have Brian Cashman who basically has the reins to the whole organization and decides what to do with that amount of money that he's told he can spend... And I find it really hard to believe that the Steinbrenners would change that because it just seems like they're comfortable with him in that role. But these are the people who are truly behind what the Yankees are, not Aaron Boone. So regardless of how you feel about the guy or how any of us feel about him, I hate to break it to you. And I do think that if the Yankees don't even make the playoffs, for instance, that he will be fired. But regardless of whether or not he is, it wouldn't change anything. It just wouldn't. Well, maybe as far as the players and the player interaction and everything like that, maybe it could change a little bit. But as far as how things are done with decision making and how the team is run and how the team is constructed, I mean, little to nothing would change with Aaron Boone's firing. Little to nothing. So those are my thoughts on that. But as far as his job and what it'll be like throughout... I think for him to be fired, the Yankees would have to not even make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs and maybe even make it close to the World Series or to the World Series, I think he sticks around. But at no point do I see him being fired during the season. That would shock me that the Yankees would do that. That would shock me. But it's also at least a little tough to imagine him being fired at all because you always have the Yankees talking about how much they love having him. So I hope all those thoughts that I just gave make sense to you, and that's my answer to it, basically. (laughs) All right, so let's do a couple of more. Jeez, time just keeps on flying. Next up, we have at bobbytat 631 asking, should the Yankees think more long-term moves rather than trade for rentals? Well, again, that depends on where they are by the deadline, because I assume that all these trading questions are about the deadline and what the Yankees should do at that point. And it depends where they are. You know, I basically gave all of my... Answers and reasoning for deadline questions already throughout this segment. So that's basically just my final opinion on it. It depends on where they are at that point. At MD Nelly asks, Okay, Mr. Century, here goes. (laughs) Mr. Century. Of your many rants, which one, if given the opportunity, do you want to take back? And which one do you consider to be a greatest hit? Congrats, Michael. Way to stick with the grind. Oh, well, Mike, thank you very much for that. I really appreciate that. Um, Wow, the rants. I've gone on so many rants. Good Lord. The greatest hit? I mean, it could be any of my umpire rants. Probably I've gone on about 90 of them. (laughs) It could be my ranting following the Astros scandal, the Yankees getting eliminated from the playoffs, especially last year. The rant that I went on about them saying that the season wasn't a failure, and I just blew up about that. That could definitely be a greatest hit, too. There are just a bunch of them. That's tough to say. And which one would I want to take back? I don't know, man. I kind of feel like all the rants I've went on have been valid. <laughs> so I'm not sure about which ones I want to take back. But as far as the greatest hit, I mean, there are just so many of them. So many. I mean, take a number. Take your pick. <laughs> all right. Let's finish up with one last question, and it comes from Spencer at musician DMD. And Spencer asks, With regard to your polls, what Yankees matter would you say fans have been generally correct about and which ones have we not been correct about? What do you learn about the fans who reply to your polls? And bonus, what do you think of Tyler Wade's on-deck preparation? (laughs) Yeah, there's a video under here showing Tyler Wade on deck. Yeah, great podcast content, Mike. Just, you know, sit here awkwardly and watch something that The listener can't see. (laughs) Uh, A-plus radio. (laughs) I'm looking at it right now, though. There's a lot of of action. It's very busy. (laughs) Very busy preparation, I guess. As far as the other two questions, what have fans generally been correct about and not correct about? That's tough. (laughs) I've had so many polls. I mean, episode 100 now, and I've probably done... I don't know, at least like 70 to 80 polls. (laughs) That's really tough. I wouldn't know. Probably anywhere from like 60 to 80 polls I've done. That's really tough. But I mean, generally the ones that have been correct, I guess the end result to the seasons, I mean, how they end up, I I don't really know. And what do I learn about the fans who reply to the polls? Well, I learned that they're freaking awesome for spending at least a minute out of their day to interact with one of my social media segments, that they're freaking awesome. That's what I learned as far as that. (laughs) But yeah, as far as that other question about what people are generally correct or incorrect about Spencer, that's a good question. I don't know. That's that's a tough one. There have just been too many to really dictate that sort of a thing, but I guess predicting the outcome of games or predicting the outcome of the season, I, I don't know. That's a good question. You would honestly have to listen back to older episodes with polls in them and see what I ask about and then, based on your memory, what you remember happened after that and see how right or wrong people were. I guess that's the only way to really tell that. But regardless, Spencer, and to the rest of you here on Twitter, I want to thank each and every one of you who submitted a question for this week's Q&A on Twitter. If I did not get to you, as usual, here on Twitter, there are just so many replies I usually get, whether it be to an open-ended question, a poll, a Q and a like this. If I didn't get to you, as always, I apologize. But... Just keep on doing it every single week, guys. Keep on replying, and I will get to you at some point, I promise. And if you want to see the replies for yourself on Twitter, whether it be the ones I read already on the show today or the ones that I didn't get to, just head on over to my Twitter page. The handle is at Mike Just scroll down on my timeline, look for that Q&A tweet, and all the replies should be under there in the comments but I hope I answered your questions to your liking, guys. I know there are some deadline questions and some things that are still like a month and a half away, so it's tough to give a certain answer with things that are still a bit down the road, but I hope my answers still were to your liking nonetheless. All right, we are already over 40 damn minutes into this thing, so (laughs) let's just read out a couple of questions here on Instagram, and I'll answer them, and then we will get to recapping the week. First up, we've got Kylie6664, and Kylie asks... What is your opinion on DFA'ing Mike Ford? Well, you're going to hear me talk about this in weekly recap just after I'm done with reading these Instagram questions, but I will just give a shorter version of my opinion than I will be talking about later, but it's unfortunate that you lose the lefty bat, and I'm sure Mike Ford's a good guy and everything, but unfortunately, since the 2019 season with the Next Man Up squad, when Mike Ford was a big part of it, if you look at his numbers these last couple of years, I mean... The guy has just lost the ability to hit. He just lost it. He can't hit anymore. And he's okay at first. I mean, he's not a great defender. Even when you see him put his foot on the bag when he's fielding a ball, I mean, he's got his foot like in the middle of the bag. And anybody who plays first base knows you're supposed to have your foot like on the edge of the bag so you don't get spiked, for instance. That's just general knowledge being a first baseman, I would think. So I guess the Yankees just lost faith in him. And honestly, it it was tough to not lose faith in him, with me too, because watching him hit is a chore. And despite the fact that it's nice to have him as a left-handed bat, and lefties are scarce on the Yankees, he just lost the ability to hit. He really did. I don't care what side of the plate you hit on. If you can't hit, you can't hit. So while I could have expected maybe someone else to be DFA'd other than him, I mean, I don't totally have a problem with it. I really don't. I feel bad for him personally, and I hope he finds somewhere else to land. But, I mean, he just seemed virtually useless. I mean, he just lost the ability to hit, and he's not the best defensively either. So I guess that's the short version of my opinion on him. I'll expand on it a little bit more in Weekly Recap in just a bit. But next up, we have my friend Tina at Mountain Gal 456 and Tina says, Now that you've hit the big 100th episode is there anything different that you would like to do in regards to your podcast moving forward? I like everything about your podcast, but was wondering if you are constantly thinking of new things to come up with. Thank you and congrats. Well, thank you so much, Tina. You have been just an unbelievable supporter from day one, one of my day ones easily, and I can't tell you how much it means to me. And I make it an effort to get to your replies every week because you're so loving and supportive of the show, and I thank you for that. But... As far as things to change with the show or add, maybe, there's been mostly just one thing that stays in the back of my mind for a while, and that's probably incorporating guests at some point. That's definitely an idea I've thrown around in my own head at times, and I don't 100% know how I would approach doing that just yet, that's why it hasn't been done yet, but it definitely has been an idea in the back of my mind for some time now, and... You know that the second I decide to start incorporating that here on the show, I will let you guys know right away. I will let you know. But if there have been any additions or changes that I've been pondering to the podcast, it's been adding having guests, like doing little guest specials maybe. I don't know, but that's really all I can think of. And of course, if you guys have any suggestions for me, I'm plenty open to them. You guys are a big part of the show, and if there's anything that you think I can do for this show to make it even better, then please let me know. All right, second to last question here on Instagram. Let's finish up with our usual final two. First up, we've got my amazing girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And Vic asks, What are your plans for yapping Yankees going forward? I guess it's just to continue covering everything to the best of my ability and keep on giving you guys kick-ass episodes every week. (laughs) Outside of what I just said to Tina with potential future plans, such as like adding a portion where I do special guest segments, maybe. Yeah, just keep on giving you guys kick-ass episodes to the best of my ability, week after week. Let's finish up with the best mom in the world, my mother, Julia Gina Scudero, as always. And my mom asks, how much longer do the Yankees expect all of their fans to tolerate the embarrassment of the way they've been playing baseball? Do they need to find themselves in an empty stadium? They better wake up. I miss my Yankees of 2009. I know that reference, Mom, to 2009, because yesterday in the house, my mom and I happened to stumble across Yankees Classics on the S Network, and we caught a replay of Game 6 of the 2009 World Series, which I remember to be like yesterday, but especially upon seeing the way the Yankees are now, also feels like ancient history. (laughs) It's just a completely different feel to it, and obviously me, Mom, and everyone else in my family, we remember 2009 like it was yesterday. We remember watching that team win the World Series like it was two minutes ago, and that makes the way the Yankees are right now just that much more sad and embarrassing to watch. (laughs) It really does, and... I don't blame you with the frustration you clearly have in this question, Mom. Everybody deserves to be frustrated. This is a World Series or bust team, a team that by now should already be battling or be in first place as it is, and then be battling to win the pennant and then the World Series. But now, you're questioning whether they even make the playoffs or not. I think I even saw someone say on Twitter just before that if the Yankees were to even make, like, 92 wins and make like the second wild card, they'd have to go like 60 and 38. I mean, with how inconsistent this team is, I don't blame anybody for not having much faith that they could pull that off. Even my faith is low. I mean, I was talking about with the trade deadline and everything, how much things could change in a month and a half or so. There's that little part of me that keeps on reminding me of that. But I also did acknowledge that, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like my faith is high in that happening and them turning it around significantly. I mentioned before how unlikely that is. It is, it's unlikely, and I don't blame people for having their doubts and being frustrated. Especially people like me, who, despite how much fun it is to do this podcast, as I said before, it certainly helps when you have a good team to talk about. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't. So, yeah, it's irritating for me too, Mom, and every fan deserves to be frustrated. What this team is on paper and what was expected of them before the start of the season is very different than what we've gotten. And you know that when it comes to any of these executives, that if you do anything that costs them financially, then yeah, they'll start to pay attention if their money starts to come in jeopardy. But (laughs) depending on what happens here on out, yeah, changes will definitely have to be made most likely. They really do. A fundamental change has to be made. And this team is just beyond frustrating. But regardless... I hear your frustration, Mom. I hear all of your frustration, and I hope you even hear mine, because believe me, there's frustration on my behalf, too. How much ranting have I done? It's ridiculous. So, regardless, in any event, I want to thank everybody, again, whether I got to your question or not, for submitting them on Twitter, on Instagram. As I've been saying all so long, even when talking about the first 100 episodes of this show, in the introduction to the episode... You are what makes the social media interaction segment as fun and awesome as it always is, and I love you guys so much. Thank you so much, as always, for the interacting with the social media segment. And this week, to be specific, the Q&A. Another awesome social media segment for episode 100. All right, it's getting late. Let's (laughs) Let's fire up that time machine and head back to last Sunday. Yapping Yankees Time Machine, let's do it. Ah, God Almighty, what a crazy freaking week. Between the awful ending to the Sox series, the pitching substances controversy, the injury news, the glimpses of hope and a couple of wins, the couple of heartbreaking defeats let's recap. (laughs) And my goodness, what a game to open up this segment with. (laughs) Last Sunday's game, it just had me at an all-time low as far as fandom despair, I'll call it, between the Yankees almost having it, but of course, ultimately not, the bats still coming up short, even the pitching having a rare bad day and choking... And especially, <laughs> how many times must I say it, the umpires. The Yanks were looking to avoid getting swept at home, if you remember, at the hands of the Red Sox for the first time since 2011. That was the last time the Red Sox did that to the Yankees prior to this series last weekend. But the Yankees were also looking to prevent losing their 10th of their last 13 games at the time, being six and a half games out of first, and not finished the important week last week, going a combined two and five against the Red Sox and Tampa. And unfortunately, in the worst fashion of just about any loss this year, and we've been through some doozies this year, guys, they would not avoid all of that. This loss just... Turned Yankee land into a true dumpster fire in every aspect. It was bad. Really bad. As it should have been. Herman started the game, and again, he did his job. Five and two-thirds, only three hits. A solo shot to Verdugo in the first was the only run he gave up, but the 12th home run he's given up this year, so he continues to have his home run problems. He walked a couple of guys and struck out three, and he did fine. He continues to be the most reliable pitcher behind Cole, with Kluber being out. And the Yankees had a 3-1 lead when he was done, on a two-run double by Gary, and then an RBI ground out by Judge. So again, the bats were quiet for most of the game after that, and I was feeling uneasy. You need more runs, you need more runs, I kept telling myself. And all throughout saying that, still no timely or situational hitting, more double plays, and you know what? They did need more runs, because after Herman Litke, who, as we know, has otherwise been very good this year, gave up a two-run game-tying homer to Marwin Gonzalez in the seventh, and that was only Marwin's second freaking home run on the year, and in the eighth, with Peralta on the mound, pop-up to shallow right, and this proved to be a very important play in the game, which would lead to a run, but a pop-up to shallow right, the ball was clearly Clint Frazier's to catch, but he just didn't. <laughs> Instead, he was like, eh, I'll let DJ handle it. And it was a really tough play for a second baseman, so DJ dropped it, because it wasn't his play. That runner would score, as I just said before, on a sack fly by Bogarts. Red Sox up 4-3. to three. Then, bottom of the ninth. This was when I hit such a low from here on out in this game. I mean, everyone did. This was just... <laughs> The Yankees managed to tie it up on a double by Glaber, just a huge hit, intentional walk to Gary, That those aren't the parts that made us hit our lows as Yankee fans, this right here is it. Odor was up after all of that, runners on the corners after Glaber took third, 3-2 count, bottom of the ninth, and a curveball by Matt Barnes, almost a half a foot outside, is called for strike three inning over when it rains it pours guys I've ranted about umpires so many times so many damn times there's simply no need to continue stating the obvious I'll only reiterate this I do not seek perfection I seek consistency well that and also maybe not missing pitches that scrape the batter's box I even heard some Red Sox fans mention a bad call to, I think it was Devers earlier in the game. And you know what? I go after umpires for that too. They deserve to be called out for all of their egregious mistakes. You guys know me. I keep that same energy all around. So anyway, that ended the ninth inning on what should have been a walk, and who knows what would have happened after that. We'll never know now. Now... Manfred League Baseball, top of the 10th after that outrageous strike three call. Sessa in the game, and he's getting squeezed by this garbage umpire. Phil Nevin, who just returned from being in bad shape from COVID, loses his mind out of the game. Marcus Timms also lost it. More ejections came down, and there was confusion on who was even being ejected. It ended up being Mendoza for not even saying a word. So now you have the umpires not even knowing who's yelling at them and just ejecting anybody. But you know what? Good for Nevin. Good for him. Still showing that passion despite his health issues. And good for everyone else who went nuts. That's passion I want to see. But all throughout, and I've got to go after him here because this just wasn't acceptable to me. The manager of the team, Aaron Boone, of course never seemed to speak up, let alone blow a gasket. I mean, yeah, he went out there, but he didn't make any sort of a fuss, really. And again, I want to make it clear, it's nothing personal against Aaron Boone. I feel this way about any manager. And I know he's a nice guy, he's calm most of the time, I know. And people raised the concerns about his heart conditions, too, with the pacemaker he had put in in spring training, I know about that but not only has he already thrown tantrums a couple of times this year and gotten ejected, but if that's really the case and he was advised to really, like, tone it down, then maybe being the manager of a Major League Baseball team just isn't good for him. Because, like it or not, managers are expected to and should fly off the handle every now and again. Of course, when the situation is appropriate to do so, and I would say that this situation, I think it's safe to say that it was... So if it is because of the heart concerns and with the pacemaker, nothing against him for that. But maybe being the manager isn't the safest or healthiest environment for him in that case. But regardless, in that massive of a moment, with everything going on in the field and with your team, all the circumstances, and you've got these pieces of crap umping terribly and seemingly ejecting your whole dugout... I know you may want to keep your presence there, but how do you not at least get a bit fired up there? How? Maybe I'm just cut from a different cloth, but I could not fathom that. I couldn't. Everything was a dumpster fire. And to add on to all that, the game was lost too. Two two-run single by Bogarts after that whole mess. Red Sox just continuing to drive in big runs when needed. And then the Yanks got one run on a throwing error by Marvin González on an infield grounder by Wade. So that made it six to five, and that was the final, capping off a disgusting two and five important homestand, getting swept at home by Boston for the first time since 2011. I mean, need you hear more? I read out the whole deal before. Also, 31 and 29, just two freaking games over 500 at that point. And even up to this point, coming into today's game here on Sunday, they've basically negated those three weeks or so of good gameplay from late April into mid or late May. Just beyond embarrassing. The Yankee fandom, I would say, was basically at a breaking point after that game. Monday was an off day, praise the Lord. Tuesday started the series against the Twins. Before the game though, because why not pour more gasoline on what was already a forest fire at that point, we all know how the league is cracking down on pitchers using substances like sunscreen or pine tar or this other crap now called spider tack, all to enhance grip, spin rate, movement, accuracy, the whole deal for their pitches. And it's been a big topic. Now, I think we all know that nearly all of, or even all of pitchers maybe, who truly knows for sure, but at least most, use something. It's been going on for a very long time. This isn't nearly anything new. I want to make that clear for those who don't already know that. And, of course, the first ones people start asking about right away are top arms in the game, the best pitchers. And our very own Garrett Cole is one of them. Especially after an apparent texting conversation, I think it was. This was spoken about a little bit some time ago, and it was between him and someone else who specializes with these things, I believe. If my memory serves me right, I think it was a clubhouse attendant in Anaheim for the Angels, I think. And Cole asked for quote-unquote sticky stuff. But nothing else really came of that at the time. But now, with the league apparently now all of a sudden cracking down on this... And it's only getting stricter from the sound of it, or so they say. And with Josh Donaldson, of all people, citing that Garrett Cole's spin rate suddenly decreased in his last start, which was just after some minor leaguers had been suspended for the use of these substances, the controversy resurfaced. And Cole was asked straight up from the media, Do you use this stuff? Stuff in this case is again being called spider tack, apparently. And the answer was waited forever to answer, and then came out with, I don't really know how to answer that. (laughs) And then continue to talk about how these things have been used forever, and it's been passed down, which isn't false, but all the while, Garrett was just stuttering and constantly figuring out what to say next, and (laughs) it was a train wreck of a press conference. Like, my man, this was even worse than just straight up lying. It's painfully obvious he was lying, but the deer in the headlights moment made it even worse. I mean, of course, if he just straight up came out and said, yeah, I use it, then he'd probably be suspended. But someone with a 20 IQ could have been able to tell he was lying. I mean, it was just so uncomfortable that at that point, one might even say it's just better to say you use it. (laughs) Better than that answer. (laughs) Uh, Listen... I'm no hypocrite, guys. I've said, with the Astros scandal and otherwise, and I'm not comparing this to that. Don't misunderstand. I'm just saying in the category of illegal crap. But regardless of the enhancing or cheating or whatever, people need to be held accountable. On my team or not. Because, like it or not, it is illegal. And again, I'm sure, and so are many others, that Cole is by far... Not the only one using these methods. Which is why it sucks that any one person has gone after harder with all this than anyone else when we all know for sure that crap tons of others do the very same thing. Especially when other guys like Trevor Bauer, for instance, have really headed up this thing in the past and now it seems Cole is at the forefront. But regardless of all of that, two wrongs don't make a right. I've always preached that. And you know something else? Tons of hitters actually prefer, yes, they prefer that pitchers use at least a little something so that pitchers don't have a higher chance of losing control of their pitches and, God forbid, another instance like Kevin Pillar happens, someone getting a pitch thrown at their head or even their face. And I don't blame them either. If you get hit hard enough in the right spot, (laughs) I mean, it could be game over, man. (laughs) And now the league is all of a sudden cracking down after all this time. And again, despite everyone already knowing that most already have done this for a very long time. They're such a joke. (laughs) Which leads me to remind you, by the way, that please don't misunderstand. A chunk of this is on the league, of course, too, because of that. Because whenever something like this happens, when is it not on them? They're a bunch of dopes. They only pretend to care about something whenever A, enough attention is brought to it, or B, it has enough of a financial impact somehow. So despite all of the points I made before about the players themselves doing this and it being legal and what have you, anything I just said before, also please remember, make no mistake that this is also mostly because the league is a joke. And now, because enough attention is being brought to it, they're now pretending to care and cracking down on it and will now be checking on pitchers regularly when they pitch at random times to make sure they're not using these substances. Oh, but they, the league, can alter the baseball themselves to their liking without any problem, right? They can just juice the baseballs or deaden the baseballs to their liking, right? They're a joke. But... I'm getting a little sidetracked here. (laughs) Nonetheless, my God, what a bad presser for Cole, in my opinion. The whole thing was just so uncomfortable. And by the way, I also just have no clue how there wasn't some sort of answer prepared for something like this, knowing how hot of a topic it's been. And this isn't going away anytime soon, guys. As I said before, this isn't going away. And Cole will not be the last one question about this. It's a mess. The whole thing is a mess. But those are basically all my thoughts on it, guys. So, lots of drama before the game. Now, in-game, though, although things still weren't necessarily terrific with runners in scoring position, the Yankees scored eight freaking runs. And some were thanks to the Twins being the Twins, yeah, but listen... <laughs> In these times, and you know what? In any times, I always say, you take him however you can get him. Twins got on the board first, scoring two off Montgomery in the first. Then the Yankees scored two in the top of the fifth, tying the game on an RBI walk by Judge, and then a wild pitch. It feels like that's happened quite a bit this year. (laughs) Top of the sixth, Gardner gave the Yanks a 3-2 lead on a sack fly. But then at the tail end of Montgomery's start, he gave up a game-tying RBI double to former Yankee Rob Snyder. So Montgomery's line was 5-2, and 3 runs, 8 hits, but no walks and 6 strikeouts. Tough ending to what was otherwise a pretty good start. Tough beginning and tough ending to it, but overall he mostly did fine. And the bullpen would go scoreless from there, except for Peralta in the ninth. Inning in a third scoreless from Luizica, a scoreless 8th from Green, and a run scored off Peralta in the ninth on a throwing error by Tyler Wade. And Peralta was in since it wasn't a safe situation due to a late-game rally that started in the 8th. I really enjoyed the 8th and ninth innings of this game. (laughs) 8th inning started with a pinch-hit single by Clint, single by Miggy, Gardner bunted him over, love that, RBI fielders choice by DJ, no out made because of a throwing error by Polanco, 4-3, And then there was another fielder's choice on a ground ball by Judge. And there was also no out made on this play because Simmons came off the bag receiving the throw at second, five to three, then in the ninth, a two-run nuke by Gary, and then a solo shot, an even longer home run by Anduhar. And how good has Anduhar been at the plate? I mean, he has definitely been heating up. So the power made a return, thankfully, some home runs, made it eight to three. And then the Twins got that run in the bottom of the ninth, but the Yanks won eight to four, snapping the four-game losing streak, finally showing some sign of life for the love of God, and starting off the series in Minnesota on the right foot. And thankfully, on Wednesday, that would continue. Cole took the mound after all the chaos on Tuesday, so lots of eyes on him, and he came through. He delivered. Especially against Josh Donaldson, the one who spoke about his spin rate decreasing. 0-3 against Cole with two strikeouts, so... Cole definitely won this meeting against him, and... Garrett was giving him those death stares real good after the strikeouts, and... (laughs) The looks were really funny. I love it. Every single time he got him out, you just saw him give him that look. (laughs) Uh, and by the way, the spin rate too. Garrett's spin rate went right back to where it's been all along before the start prior to this, so that's a good sign. And overall, Cole went six, probably could have gone seven, but the Yanks had such a monster lead, so there wasn't a need for him to go beyond six, but six innings, five hits, only two runs on two solo shots, no walks, and nine strikeouts. So definitely a very nice start, and... A very good response by Garrett following all of the controversy from Tuesday night. After Cole was done, Sessa came in and pitched scoreless 7th and 8th innings, and then Kriske came in just for mop-up work with a big lead, and my god, did he stink up the joint. <laughs> Gave up four runs in the ninth, but they still won, of course, so who cares. And I've been saying big lead this whole time throughout the game, and well, speaking of that, the offense, they just got to work right away again. Judge solo shot in the first, RBI double by Gardner in the second, Stanton, second good night in a row, really the best we'd seen from him since he returned from the injured list, three-run shot, and then a two-run shot later. So, two-homer game for him, and Duhar, yet another home run, solo shot, and then a sack fly for him later too, and when all was said and done, the Yanks won 9-6. to six. So, another high-scoring win for a team in the Yankees that limped into this series after the Red Sox series. And this victory also gave them their first series win in five series since they swept the White Sox. So they finally won another series. And on Thursday, they would try to complete the sweep against good old J-Hap. And you know something? I kind of miss blowing him up after every single start. and both for confidence purposes for the Yanks and because, well, as I said last week, the Twins are god-awful, I was really hoping they would just demolish Hap and just get the sweep. I could not care less which team it is that helps start the turnaround, guys. As I always say, you gotta beat the bad ones too. Lots of people say, eh, it's just the Twins, it's just the Twins. Well, yeah, a couple of weeks ago it was just the Tigers. How did that turn out? It gotta beat the bad ones too, guys. I always say it. And unfortunately, on Thursday, they couldn't do it, so they would have to stick with the series win. But this was a brutal loss, heading into an off day especially. And especially considering that they had the Twins on the ropes at the end. And everything just imploded before you could even blink in the ninth inning with Chapman on the mound. But... Before that, the Yanks gave Michael King, who started the game, as well as the bullpen, five runs to work with. Three-run homer for Stanton, so another homer for him. Solo shot for Geo, who, by the way, had also just hit his second career triple in the at-bat prior, and an RBI single by DJ. And Michael King, who started the game, was... Eh. <laughs> Three and two-thirds for him. Four hits, two runs, three walks, and three strikeouts. So, after him, the bullpen had to eat some innings. And it was all good before Chapman got lit up. <laughs> Licky got two outs. Luizaga pitched an inning and two-thirds scoreless. He's continued to just be so damn good. Wandy Peralta also got two outs out of the bullpen. And then Chad pitched a scoreless inning and a third. And then... Chapman in the ninth. Yanks up 5-3, to three, and Chapman has been the best reliever in the game, as we've well established, but as we know, even the best have their bad days. But before anyone even knew what the hell happened, single, game-tying two-run homer by Donaldson of all people, because why not? When doesn't this sort of a thing happen to the Yankees? You got an antagonist, you manage to take care of them real good, until... The big moment in the end. Never fails. (laughs) And then another single, and then a walk-off two-run shot for Nelson Cruz. Game over. The fastball velocity was way down. The fastest one that he threw was the 98-mile-an-hour one that Cruz hit. All others were either 95 or 96. No location on that or the slider. Just had less than nothing. And he just imploded. And it only took nine pitches for the Twins to score those four runs to win 7-5 in an inning that started with the Yankees up 5-3. And for Chapman, that's his second blown save of the year now. First loss since he also gave up the game-winning shot, but this had to be his worst outing as a Yankee. Just legit had nothing working. Not a thing. (laughs) Also, fun fact, He's the first Yankee closer ever to blow a save and the game by giving up two home runs without getting a single out. Yeah, yikes. (laughs) So they settle for the series win, but my God, that is a brutal way, as I said before, to head into an off day, because now you got to sit on it for an off day and then start a whole new series trying to get right. And it obviously sucks even more because also, again, you had a team like the Twins on the ropes, after what was also like a a three-and-a-half-hour game, too. Not that I care about the length. You guys know I'll watch as long as I have to. Just saying. It adds to the sting of an ending like that. Tough, tough loss. So, again, rare day off on Friday the next day. Some injury updates were given. Voigt, first up, is getting ready to take on a rehab assignment today. Which again, like I said last week, although I'm happy obviously, I'm still just having a hard time understanding how after maybe like three weeks or so, he's already getting a rehab assignment today for a grade two oblique strain. I I just hope they're not rushing him back because as I've said, the oblique is nothing to mess around with and I thought a grade two required at least maybe like two or three more weeks of just nothingness, just recovering but they keep on saying that he's healing extra fast. So <laughs> let's just hope nothing happens and he doesn't reaggravate anything when he comes back. Also, Severino's rehabbing was ongoing and he was in high A ball. And for those of you who didn't hear about his news yesterday, you're probably like, Mike, what do you mean was? <laughs> just give me a minute. They had also mentioned that Zach Britton was finishing up rehab. So it just sounded like some big pieces. We're on their way back. So yesterday now, last day to discuss. Only five games to really go over today with the two off days this week, but still plenty to talk about, as you've clearly heard. <laughs> but yesterday, speaking of people on their way back, just mentioned Zach Britton a few seconds ago, but the Yanks made some roster moves before the game, including, speaking of Zach, reactivating him from the 60-day injured list. So, after missing the first two and a half months of the season from his bone chip removal surgery, Zach Britton is finally back, and he's obviously a huge piece of what's already been an amazing bullpen this year, so it's awesome to have Britton back, and it was good to see him make his return in yesterday's game when the Yankees were down big, so he just had a stressless inning, and he looked really, really good, so it's very nice to have Britton back. They also optioned Krisky back to AAA, and DFA'd Mike Ford. And I'm not as surprised about that, I guess, to be honest. He just, as I said before with the Instagram question by Kylie, I believe it was, he just seems to have lost all of his ability to hit, even down in the minors. And it's a shame because, once upon a time, he, along with lots of others, as we remember, was a big part of the 2019 Next Man Up team. But he just seems to have lost it. And the DFA easily could have been someone else, like Krisky, for instance. (laughs) So I guess I didn't fully expect it, but nonetheless, last couple of years, just Ford has really lost it. So we'll see what happens with him going forward, but for now, Mike Ford DFA'd to make room on the 40-man for Britain. And remember what I said about Sevi before? Continuing his rehab, pitching in high A, return imminent, but in the past tense, well, it was in the past tense because after all the anticipation, he has sustained another injury. This time with his leg, it looked like, and it turned out to be his groin after he delivered the pitch, and he even needed help walking off the field. Couldn't even put much pressure on his right leg while walking off, so not elbow or arm related or anything, but for another injury to happen altogether now, in the middle of his rehab assignment for the elbow, no less. I mean, it's only early in the day right now on Sunday, so I'm not sure what's going to be of him for sure as of now. No other information's really out on this yet, other than the fact that he's getting an MRI today, but... I can't imagine we're going to be seeing Sevi anytime soon. I hope it's maybe only like a grade one strain, if it is a strain. I just hope it's minor, so maybe it's just, I don't know, a couple of weeks setback. But I just can't imagine we're going to be seeing him anytime soon. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't think so. Between recovery from this now, revamping the arm again, and being cautious with the leg now, the whole damn process, I just, I don't see it. So, obviously, with his return supposed to have been mere weeks away, this is just devastating news for the Yankees, especially if it ends up being long-term. And you know what? It's devastating news for Severino, most of all, too, who, as we know, has had such a long road to return. And now this, he's a young, talented arm, and his body just won't let him come back. As I said a while back, guys, when it comes to injuries now, not just with the Yankees, but just in general throughout the game, what more can you say? We as baseball fans have just, with the injuries, we've just been beaten to an emotional pulp. It's just unending. And to make matters even more dandy, the Yankees had another heartbreaking loss in the first of two against Philly. And the Yanks teased us with that huge game-tying three-run shot in the ninth. Almost had us, teasing us real good. Only to lose it in the tenth, eight to 8-7. Tyone started and... Hmm, how should I put this? Uh, he was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> the guy gave up four freaking runs. The fourth one came in when Nestor Cortez had to come in and finish the first inning since Tyone got a whole one freaking out on his entire afternoon horrendous and I gotta be honest and I'm always gonna give it straight to you here on this show you know that but guys it's the middle of June now and my patience with Tyone is running thin we've seen some good things out of him at times yeah but in only very few great starts every once in a blue moon he's never really given any real length and this start today was all around just embarrassing. He got one out, and it was a loud one at that. He seriously has got to get it together. He really does. After him, though, Cortez kept them in the game. He stopped the bleeding in the first, pitched scoreless second and third innings, only allowed one run in the fourth, and altogether, he pitched three and two thirds and only allowed that one run. And in the meantime, the Yanks had scored two runs on a long home run by Gary and an RBI triple by Gardner. But then Sessa came in after Cortez and allowed three friggin' runs, made it 7-2 Phillies, and it just felt like the Phillies had pulled away at that point. The rest of the bullpen until the 10th, though, including Britton in his return, as I had just mentioned, went scoreless, so that's good. But then, the Yankee offense crept its way back. Solo atom bomb by Odor, Gary RBI single, and then in the ninth, a huge, much-needed, game-tying three-run shot for DJ LeMayhew. We have spoken about how he definitely hasn't been the player we've known him to be the last two years in this season, but my god, what a hit. (laughs) It was huge. And as I said earlier, what happens then? That great five-run comeback, only to lose. Manfred League Baseball, no runs for the Yanks in the top of the 10th, and then Chapman comes in in the bottom of the 10th, and they lose the game on an infield single. What a tease. Two walk-off losses in a row now. And I'm sorry to tell you, but a good team, after coming back like that, wins that game. They find a way to win. And now we've got an example of what I mentioned way earlier in the show, one aspect of the team picking it up, in this case the offense, even though they still blew plenty of chances earlier in the game, but overall they still had an unbelievable comeback, picked it up, and then the pitching, which has been phenomenal all year, then has to fail. Because that's what happens, guys, to bad or mediocre teams. Now, heading into today's game here on Sunday, they're 33-31. and 31 Two games over 500. Two games! Tied for fourth place with the Jays, five and a half behind the second place Red Sox, and seven and a half behind the unstoppable first place Rays. (laughs) This team just torments me. The Yankees torment me. So as far as what's ahead, at least... At the time I'm recording now, you guys know the outcome of today's game already, since you're either listening to this tonight or later in the week. But the second and final game of the two-game set against Philly is today. Pitching matchup is Herman against a struggling Aaron Nola this year, and I don't know if you remember, but I said it way earlier in the episode, I see this lineup today, (laughs) right now going into the game. Judge out with the back spasms, Stanton not in the lineup because they just refuse to give him at least one game in the outfield. I mean, I'm just looking at this, and I'll reiterate what I said earlier, but if Herman does not pitch a gem today, I promise you the Yankees are not winning this game, and I would bet every penny to my name on that. And like I mentioned before, so far with Kluber being out... Herman has been the next most reliable starter outside of Cole so far, so we'll see if he can come through today. Tomorrow, another off day. Tuesday, start of another three-game set against the Blue Jays. Wonderful. (laughs) And to make things even better, the Blue Jays have returned to Buffalo for their home games, which, if you remember, was... A house of horrors in the shortened season for the Yankees last year. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays games there will all be at 7.07 Eastern. And then over the weekend, next weekend, they've got a three-game set against the Oakland A's back at Yankee Stadium. First time they're seeing the A's this year. Friday's game will be at 7.05 Eastern. Saturday will be at 1.05 Eastern and sunday when we chat again on father's day will also be at 105 eastern but as for now guys that is all for episode 100 of yapping yankees today but hang tight before you go please remember to follow me on all social medias so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me the yankees and Yapping Yankees announcements, content, and Twitter and Instagram social media segments every Saturday. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero and Y. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97 Also guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also show some love to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And while you're at it, if you got the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 100 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday on Father's Day, June 20th, when I come at you with episode 101 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, through 100 episodes by now, you know the deal. (laughs) Hang in there. Be patient. Please stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. And you know what? Instead of saying something to the Yankees right now like I usually do, I'm going to take these few seconds here to again thank each and every one of you, regardless of when you started listening throughout these first 100 episodes, for spending at least some of your days with me, and for all of your love and support. I love you guys. Here's to 100 more. And for the 100th time, enjoy your week, my friends, and take care.